Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. You know, this morning, uh, as I was thinking about, actually, I thought about it before this morning, but as I was thinking about the message for this morning, I thought about the past four weeks and how we've been preaching about the first advent of Christ, which you all know means the coming or arrival of Christ. And Advent is a celebration of that coming or arrival of Christ into the world, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. And traditionally, we celebrate the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that came into the world when Jesus was born that first Christmas night. We celebrate that consecutively over four weeks prior to Christmas. And I talked that first week about how dark the world was at that time. And even though the the people had experienced a level of hope, peace, uh, joy, and love, the advent of Christ offered mankind a whole new level of those very same things. His arrival brought hope, peace, joy, and love into a world like, like it had never experienced before. And understand, only those that had eyes to see and ears to hear knew this. Because to not accept and submit to him as Lord and Savior is to miss him altogether. I said this Friday night at the Christmas Eve candlelight service, and I know it's supposed to be such a nice, happy, you know, kind of a kumbaya moment, and, and, and preaching um, things like, if you don't submit to Christ, heaven won't be your home, doesn't, isn't always so popular. But it's the truth. It's the truth. And far be it for me to know something about what the Word of God says, to have experienced it myself in my own life, and not share that because I don't have enough love in my heart to do so. We can all experience all that he offers and all that he is today if we accept him as our Lord and Savior and submit to his authority. He was born to a virgin who had conceived supernaturally. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed for the very sins that not only you and, and, and I have committed, but all the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. And if you meditate on that just a little bit, I can't believe he could sacrifice himself for just my sins. How many have ever sinned before? About 15, 20 of you? <laughs> we've all sinned, right? And we've sinned grossly. Maybe some more than others in certain areas, but we've all, we're all, even if we've committed one, we're guilty. And I think about Jesus dying for every human sin that's ever been committed in the past, ever in the present, never in the future. It just, it's mind-boggling. You can't get your mind around that. All we must do, again, is to accept and submit to him, live according to his word, become born again, be regenerated, however you want to say it, and, and, and become that new creation in him. That, that's what him coming to the earth was all about. So he could live that sinless life and then die upon a cross sacrificially for us, substitutionally for us. And when we do that, when we submit to him, we too will experience hope like we have never known before. Peace, no matter how bad the storm rages around us, joy in the midst of horrific circumstances, and a love that is impossible to experience otherwise. And church, I've experienced these myself, and I know so many of you have experienced them as well. Supernaturally, having hope peace, joy, and love that cannot be taken away, it makes you unbelievably strong. It makes you peculiar 
as the world doesn't quite understand how you can walk in these while in the midst of all the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's amazing. They don't get it. And, and, and I think of, of, of Cindy Else right now and Shailene along with Sam and the whole family to just abruptly lose Kevin, your husband, your dad, your grandpa, an uncle, and on Christmas Day. It just doesn't make sense that they can talk about a peace that they feel, and yet that's exactly what they are experiencing and talking about. Talked to him on the phone yesterday. There's just a peace. How is that possible? The world don't get it, but I think most of us in here get it. When Jesus is your savior, it changes all the rules. It changes everything. I think of Sue Ellen right now. Most of you know, again, I announced earlier that Dick passed away just over a week ago, but the, the strength that I see in her and her family, wow. It doesn't make any sense to the world that they could be strong, that they, man, they should be falling apart right now, right? But they're not. There's a strength there. I think about seeing Libby here on Christmas Eve last, and you're sitting here again this morning. I, I see you, I, I you know, was told by your husband that Christmas Eve reminded, that, he reminded me that Christmas Eve was her one-year anniversary of starting to come to church. And, and you know, I don't, I don't sit and watch everybody, and I, I don't look at everything, but, but honestly, sitting here Friday night with your hands held high, worshiping your king when, just a year ago, you had to muster up enough courage just to be here at that service, partly because you're pretty mad at God. That would be an understatement, maybe. And which one of us wouldn't have been ticked off at God like she was a year ago, angry because she no longer had her beautiful Maddie here with her? Yet the strength and the joy I see in her and her family, it's supernatural. Not that grieving isn't happening, just that there is hope in the midst of the grief. And I think about those who seem to have lost everything due to natural disasters lately, all their material wealth, their homes, even their livelihoods being taken. I've seen the interviews, and some of them aren't falling completely apart emotionally over their loss. I've seen some of them literally saying these words, we are praising God for what we have, when they've lost everything their families and, and the love of their church family, one of them said. We're praising God for that. And the reporter that was talking to them, they didn't even know how to respond. It was almost a look of confusion that came over their face. And I knew right there that I was witnessing, once again, supernatural strength, supported and fueled by hope, by the peace, by the joy and the love that only is for those that have submitted to Christ. It's only for them to experience and I think about missionaries who have recently been martyred. I get stories all the time across my email and in, in, my, uh, um, um, in my text box and stuff like that. They, they, they've been martyred, brutally executed for the sake of the gospel, and then to hear their spouses say, this is not over. It's not over until we go back and win to Christ those that have killed our husbands and our children. And you think about that, Church, the world does not understand that. They don't get it. They'll never, never truly understand it. But when you've got the king of the universe reigning and ruling over your heart, the circumstance has not been invented yet that can't be overcome. We have the king of the universe living here. How powerful, how awesome, how amazing is that? And it's available for everyone. It's not like we got it and they don't. Everybody has the opportunity. 
We've just chosen to receive. James 1, 2 through 8 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Boy, we have a whole world full of a lot of needs right now. But to walk in the love of God, walk in the knowledge of who he is and all that he provides us, I'm telling you what, church, you don't make sense. You're peculiar. You're weird if you don't need nothing when everybody needs so much. But what more could we need than the hope, the peace, the love, and the joy that, that, that Christ gives us in our relationship with him? We have an endless supply of hope, peace, joy, love. It doesn't run out. It never runs low. Biden's supply chain issues can't touch it. No person can take it from us. Even the devil can't cut off the rivers of hope, peace, joy, and love that are available to us through Jesus Christ. Nothing can take it away. I've got peace. I've got joy. I've got peace. I've got love. I've got hope. We used to sing a song. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a river in my soul. Remember that? We have that. We have that because of the person of Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, and he's living there because we've received him as our Savior. As exciting as all this is, I truly believe with his advent at Christmas and, and even his death on the cross, and now we're living on the other side of the cross, we have this available to us, and it's wonderful, and the world doesn't get it. But as, as exciting as all that is, I truly believe that we ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to experiencing the levels of hope, peace, joy, and love that he has for us when he comes back in his second advent. Jesus will come back for his bride, the church, those that have truly submitted to him. He's coming back in all of his glory, and this time it's not gonna be as a vulnerable baby born in a stable and laid in a manger. This time, he's coming back in all of his power, in all of his authority, and there will be no one, there will be nothing that can even hold a candle to him. He will come back as a conquering king, and again, nothing, and I mean nothing, will stand in opposition because every knee will bow that day. That's the God we serve, church. Every demon that's ever attacked, that has ever been given a name, will bow in complete humility before our king. Every disease with a name will kneel before Jesus Christ in total submission. I mean, I imagine if cancer could be personified, if it was demonic, I don't know how, how you envision it, but cancer, the name of cancer, will bow at the feet of Jesus. The name of, of stroke, or heart disease, or COVID, or any of it. I don't care what you come up with. It will bow and submit at the name of Jesus that day. And something that, that may help you understand the second coming or advent of Christ and, and the things that will, will, will happen 
uh, as this event takes place and unfolds, is to think about it happening over an extended period of time. I said this right away at the beginning of the service. And actually, it's even helpful to look at the second coming of Christ as occurring in two phases. Phase one will consist of his coming back in the clouds, the dead in Christ rising from their graves. Oh my goodness. The dead in Christ rising from their graves. And not specifically if we've placed them in a real grave, in a real cemetery, in a real coffin. I'm talking about wherever their graves may be, at the bottom of the ocean, it doesn't matter what, what grave you're talking about, their remains, wherever they are, if they were cremated and, and scattered into the, off a cliff and the winds took them everywhere, they're going to come and they're going to be raised back up. Their remains. That's what the Bible says. rising from their graves, and then those believers who are remaining, if we're still around and we haven't passed away, we will be raptured or caught up together, the Word of God says, with those who have gone before us. It'll be boom, boom. The dead in Christ will raise. Those of, here, of, of us who are remaining will be caught up together in a cloud, and there's going to be a reunion like no other with Jesus, with all of our loved ones. You don't want to know why we don't grieve like those without hope is because that is truth. You can take it to the bank. It is reality. It's not some science fiction movie. It's real. This is what we have to look forward to. And I know so many miss our loved ones at this time of year, but folks, do you believe the word of God or not? I mean, this is coming for us. A day where we're all together, where there is no pain, no suffering. No, I mean, we're, we're, there's going to be no sickness, no tears forever together for all eternity for those that love the Lord Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13 through 18 says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Here's the scripture, I just, I just said it. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died, their soul and their spirit, and then their bodies are raised. The dead in Christ will rise. We tell you this directly from the Lord. It's directly from Jesus. This, this was spoken to them, and now they're telling us directly from Jesus. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, Man, that's going to be one heck of a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, I mean, I, I just imagine bell-cracking, triumphant trumpet music. I mean, I just, I can hear it in my head. Sometimes I like to take my, my old trombone that I have and go out on my deck and I kind of up on high on a deck and it goes way down, about 50 feet down. There's a creek down there, kind of a little bell. I like to just blast that sucker It embarrasses my kids to no end. My wife hides my trombone sometimes. And then I started doing it with a vacuum cleaner attachment because it sounds pretty much the same. I'm not lying. I just like the crack of it, the, the echo of it. And it makes me think, oh, that's how it's going to be, but a million times more. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. This is scripture, guys. I'm not making this up. 
Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain in the earth will be caught up in the clouds. That's the rapture. That's the word where we get rapture. We just say a great catching away. Rapture. Caught up in the clouds. Caught up into the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You feeling down? You see your brothers and sisters feeling down? having a hard time with Christmas and holidays and the loss of loved ones and things going bad and COVID and all this stuff that's going on. I mean, we're supposed to encourage each other with these words. Hey, don't get too down. There's a day coming. The trumpet's going to sound and everything's going to be okay. It's going to be better than okay. It's going to be beyond our comprehension. Okay. 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 It is at this time that we will receive new glorious bodies in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We will not be disembodied spirits floating around playing harps. I, I just got to get that in your head. Some people think that. There's been too many old cartoons or I don't know. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> not true. Not true. We ain't going to be angels. It's a nice movie, but it isn't true. We've been created even higher than the angels, folks. We've been created in his image. We won't earn our wings or anything like that. We will have bodies that are glorified. They will be perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't wait till you look perfect. No aging, no wrinkles, no sickness, no disease, nothing can touch them. No broken limbs can ever happen. These will be immortal bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55 says, what I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Verse 51, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will, be we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living, talking about the rapture again, will also be transformed. Our, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? When the dead in Christ rise first, that will be the day that every prayer for healing that has ever been prayed for those that are true followers of Christ, that day, that prayer will be answered because their bodies, their physical bodies will be brought back to life and then transformed instantly into perfect bodies. Rejoined with their soul and spirit. At the same time, this is, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up. As we leave this earth, a period of time that is believed to be about seven years or seven years by most Bible scholars will begin to unfold. All hell will break loose on this earth and they will experience an ever-increasing tribulation such as the world has never seen. Well, just, just to say something, I've seen enough tribulation. I don't need to see any more. So I'm making my reservations to go in the, in the uh, great catching away, the rapture. 
I'm just going to make them now. And if some of you say, well, I believe we're going to have to go through the tribulation. If you want to stay here, that's your business. I'm getting out of here beforehand. So no shame if you want to do that. But I've seen enough. At the same time, this is going on, all hell breaking loose on earth. Those of us who have died in Christ, as well as those of us who are true followers of Christ and are still alive and have been raptured, will we'll spend seven years in a glorious celebration in heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb, the wedding of all weddings will take place. Jesus as the bridegroom and the true church as the bride will become one. We will be perfectly unified with each other and with Christ. Can't even imagine that, but it's going to be awesome. This is also a time where awards will be given jewels in your crown, so to speak. And these will be given based off of what you did with the truth that you've heard. They will be given according to the true kingdom work that was accomplished through your life. It begs the question what are you doing for the kingdom with your life? Well, I'm spending the rest of my days grieving because I have loss. Can I just be really harsh? <laughs> don't do that. You don't have the right to. It's a little harsh, I know. You don't have the right to. Jesus came and died. You have him as your savior. You know Jesus Christ. You don't have to, the right to grieve like those without hope. You have the right to grieve, but not like those without hope. You grieve with hope, so you keep that hope in mind, and you go through the grieving process, but you get to work building the kingdom of God. You want to know how to get through something? That's how you get through it. You stick your head down, and you go to work for Jesus. And I'm sorry if that rubs you the wrong way, but it's truth. He'll see you through. Not saying ignore your feelings or emotions. You can't do that. You're going to grieve, but you're not going to grieve like those without hope. It's not the same thing. It's time to go to work, church. You know, oftentimes I, I, I've thought this myself. I've thought, Lord, I know there's going to be, I believe, I believe personally there's going to be a great revival right before he comes back. How many are with me? You believe that. You've studied the word of God enough. You think that's going to be the case. And, and we don't know absolutely 100% sure about that, but many Bible scholars believe the same thing. So there's going to be a great revival that comes. So sometimes I, I, I sit back and I'm like, hmm, I just can't wait till that revival happens. It's like God thumped me on the head recently and said, what are you waiting for? Why don't you become revival? Be revival. You want to start a revival? Draw a circle on the floor, stand in it, and start praying that God send revival to the circle. Because once you're revived, guess what? It's catching. I don't think we have to wait around for this great revival to happen. Hmm, let, me, let me just watch and see when it happens, and then I can kind of jump on the bus when it gets here. God's, uh, maybe God's waiting for us. Maybe we are the bus. Some of us got a flat tire. <laughs> Including me sometimes. There's going to be awards given out based off what you did with the truth you heard. And they will be given according to the true kingdom work that you accomplished. The old timers refer to these, this as the beam of judgment. And I, I, I believe that we are going to be shocked at that time by who is given what. As this 
period of seven years comes to an end on earth, all the nations of earth will come together under the authority and direction of the Antichrist. They will come together and wage war in the battle of Armageddon. And this marks the beginning of the second phase and the second coming or advent of Christ. We will ride with Christ, fully dressed in our heavenly garments. He will come back with a sword. And the song says he has it in his hand. It'll actually be out of his mouth. Let's read uh, Revelations 19, 11 through 21. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head, on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. I'm talking about Jesus here. Verse 14, and the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he, will, and, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midheaven, Come, assemble for the great feast of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, both free and slaves and small and great, What's he talking about? There's going to be the battle of Armageddon. We're going to be riding back with Jesus and those white horses, and he's going to have that sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to say, you're done. Boom, it's over. And all those nations that have risen up against God, they're going to be slain in a moment. And he's going to say, and an angel comes down and says, come on, birds, let's get this thing cleaned up, and they're going to come eat and feast on all that flesh. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army, and the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the, the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh." I'm glad I'm on the side I'm on. Well, I don't want any of that Jesus stuff. I'd rather be on the other side. What? Phase two of his second coming involves the actual foot of Jesus touching down on the ground. The battle is over before it starts as our all-powerful king puts an end to all of his enemies. The devil himself is thrown to the abyss and locked up for a thousand years. He's just chucked in there and key is it's locked up. He can't get out. He won't be wreaking havoc for a thousand years he's in there. We will reign with Christ on the earth during that time. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. We'll sit on the throne with him. We'll rule with him. And there will be hope, peace, joy, and love like we can't even imagine at this point. Beyond his second coming, and just to finish the timeline of events real quickly, that the Bible says will occur. Satan will be let out of the abyss for a short time. He'll wreak havoc once again. He'll deceive many in the world. Not those of us who have, who have the glorified immortal bodies, mind you. 
Because once you make the rapture, once you die, if you die in Christ or you make the rapture because you're living still when he comes back, you're good to go for all eternity. But it will be those that are still mortal that made it through the tribulation and have continued to populate the world during the millennial reign. They will still be flesh and we won't be. We'll have immortal bodies. Then will come the final judgment where all of those who have died that were not followers of Jesus will stand before the great white throne of God. Judgment will be pronounced on them as well as on Satan and all of his demons and they will be thrown into the lake of fire. Then God will cause the current heaven and earth to burn with fervent heat as to purify and a new heaven and new earth will be created where we will live for all eternity. I want to just read this revelation. I'm just about done here this morning. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from, from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. Somebody say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, that's a chitty, chitty, bang, bang kind of statement there. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold. I always think of his voice kind of big. Someone said I sound a little like James Earl Jones when I do that. But behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write, for these words are faithful and true. We can take them to the bank, church. This is what is to happen for those that believe. And I want you to remember what is coming. What is in store for those that love, follow, and submit to Christ. His second coming is more near to us than it's ever been. We're getting closer all the time. When God created the world and everything in it, he he, when he created man and woman in his image and he placed them in the Garden of Eden and gave them dominion over it, they were in paradise. They were so enveloped in his presence that to say they needed hope, peace, joy, and love would be inaccurate because they never experienced anything that would cause them to need those things. It was just theirs. They had that all the time. But then sin entered the world through the deception of the devil and by mankind's willful choice. It messed everything up. The world became a dark place, and although God's faithful people could still experience hope and peace and joy and love, it was in the midst of incredible darkness. Then Jesus was born, and it was God's plan to give the human race a way out. And those very things, hope, peace, joy, and love, could be experienced in a way that had never been experienced within the world, within the sinful world. And today, if you have made Jesus your Savior, if you are, in fact, born again, then you know what it's like to experience these in a supernatural way that defies all human reasoning. You get it. But I want you to understand something. As history unfolds, things will just keep getting better for the Christian, and things will just keep getting worse for the unbeliever. At the time of the rapture, we will begin experiencing hope, peace, joy, and love to such a greater degree, things will begin to revert back to perfection during that time. And where we don't really even feel, it'll, it'll be to the point where we don't even really feel a need in these areas because we are so enveloped in the presence of God. What am I saying? 
We will have zero needs. Think about that. To need love isn't really a thing when you're already wrapped in it. To need joy or peace or hope, there's nothing left to hope for when you have everything you could ever imagine. We, why, why would you desire peace when there's no such thing as turmoil? And the joy, unspeakable joy that will be ours, it will never fade away. It will be like we are immersed in joy, enveloped in it. It'll just be ours. So no one experiencing that will need or, or desire it. This will come to a full completion when we are living in new heaven and the new earth forever. That's when it's all going to just be to its full completion. So when I say that we ain't seen nothing yet, I don't think we really truly have. It's just going to keep getting better for those that are truly saved. And could I invite the worship team up? I didn't, I didn't tell them this, but could you guys come back up? Are you all here? If you're floating around somewhere, you know, in the bathroom or something, you can hear this. Just hurry it on up. Because I want to sing again. And guys, e even as we see an increase in the polarization that's going on in our world, how many know there's a polarization? You see it. It's building all the time. Remember when you're seeing it that the battle lines are being drawn in the spiritual realms. You will have to choose to submit to Christ and allow him to come into your life and make you a new creation or to reject him. And hear me, please hear me. To not decide or to kick the can of decision down the road for a while because you're not ready to decide is in fact rejecting him. You may be asking, what must I do to be saved from all this? The answer is simple, although, although living it out might be a little more difficult. You must surrender yourself to him. Submit to his word. Ask him wholeheartedly to be your savior. And just to give you an opportunity this morning to ask him to be your savior, I would invite anyone to come forward to the front as we sing, We Will Ride One More Time. I think we'll sing it with a little different thoughts. And, and maybe I would, I would even just say this. As you come forward this morning, for those of you that want to rededicate, that want to give your heart to Christ, maybe for the first time, pray that simple prayer when you come forward. Well, I don't know how to pray. Prayer is just talking to God. Just pray and ask him to come in and be your savior. That's all you got to do. God, I need you. I want you. Take, take control. It's a simple prayer. Lord, I know I've given you my heart before, but man, I need to do it again because this year is going to be different than the last year. We're closer to the second advent. And I'm going to get busy about the Father's business. I need to rededicate. That kind of thing is so important, church. And for those of you that are struggling with the pain and the loss that you may be going through and feeling, I, I don't want you to think for a second that I'm marginalizing your, your emotions or your feelings. I'm not. I just want to give you the encouragement that the Word of God says I'm supposed to give you. It says encourage each other with these words. So there's the words. we got something to look forward to that people without hope don't have to look forward to. And so we're going to do it, right? We're going to walk this thing out. We're going to let God heal us. Stand to your feet if you would. Praise the Lord.
Again, if you need to make a decision for Christ, as we sing this next song, I just invite you to step out and maybe you just want to come down front and sing. You can do that too.
Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.